Hello and welcome to another episode of Lion City Rock, the best local podcast about local music coming from Lion City. Uh, that's Singapore. Singapore, by the way, just in case <laughs> people <laughs> people don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So again, once again, we're coming to you live, but recorded from two very secret locations <laughs> on the island. Um, and uh, this week we are going to be doing something a little bit different from our previous weeks, where we talked about the scene and we talked about uh, certain you know general aspects of the music scene back in the day. Um, we thought we deep dive well not really deep dive uh, more like shallow dive <laughs> stick a toe in, stick a toe into the the water dive kind of thing deep <laughs> um, <door> dive <laughs> yeah yeah nice one <laughs> yeah we're going to we're going to take a, a, a not so deep deep dive into one of um, i think i don't know about you but definitely one of my favorite albums from the past yeah it's like it's an iconic album from the era la, which is now almost 30 year old Album, yep, yeah, it's close, coming uh, to 30 years already. Coming to 30 yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, and this album mm. is by this group called Humback Oak. And yep. it's called Pain Stained Morning. Pain. <laughs> yeah, with a very suitable, suitable <laughs> cover to Oh to my food. god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very morose, interesting. Morose kind of Very cover. interesting, um, <laughs> yeah. I think I think in in terms in terms just uh, just based on visual package this one this one is yeah. the most. Uh, I mean, there's together. no mistaking it for a party <laughs> album, lah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. This is not one that you're gonna. Nobody's like, gonna pick not, it up and think, "Wow, yeah, I'm gonna party gonna, with this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of album that uh, you know you want to sit down and ruminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're feeling a bit angsty. Well, I don't know about angsty. Just like you know, like if you're wondering where, where everything is going, yeah, where everything is going and stuff like that. You know, why is life like this? Yeah. This, this this album might actually be be suitable for that kind of mood. Yeah, very nineties yeah. like in that respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very it was 90s, very funny. Yeah. Actually, it's very funny because I was listening, I was watching the, you know, Stranger Things, right, recently. Mm. And I was thinking, actually, there's a very, there's a song in here, in this album called Lucifer, which I thought really, really worked very well. Uh, yeah. Uh, with this strange, dissonant uh, playing and stuff like that. Yeah. But we'll get into all the songs uh, a little bit later. But maybe you, maybe you can, you want to share your thoughts about uh, Painstained Morning by Humbug Oak. Like, when you first, do you remember when you first heard it? Well, I, I think I think probably first heard it after picking it up from a record store. Um, but I mean, obviously, there was some anticipation because obviously that was not the first time I've heard uh, Humbug Oak, mm. right? The band. So the band right. had, had previously released a couple of demo cassettes, right? So that's really when I think there were like two or three before they were signed to, to, to Spring Roll and that was released. So we... So yeah, we're kind of like a really like a, you know buzz band at the time, right? Big old magazine was you know really writing a lot of stuff, uh, reviewing or uh, I think Moth mm. and Backpipes. I think that's what the yeah. last one before that. So a lot yeah. of great great songs lah, you know. So so everybody was really like when the word was like, oh yeah, they've been signed to Tony Canyon and they're going to release a album. Of course, everybody is so excited about it. Right, so obviously when, when you know, word was there, always oh, released, so, you know, quickly went to pick it up. 
So I guess it's just a normal kind of experience of buying an album and, and kind of listening to it. Lah. You know, but I, I think the first thing, obviously, you will not, notice, which is an obvious thing, is that is the production is very polished lah, compared to the cassettes, obviously, because those yeah. are kind of homemade, more or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right? Uh, so that is the thing. And also realizing that when you kind of look at the uh, credits and stuff that you know there were some session musicians uh, ah, right, playing right, on right. it as well so which accounted for you know the more polished sound and performance as well compared to the demos uh, and of course that down the line also became a little bit of a point of controversy as well yeah I think so. yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. yeah but I mean in terms I mean you know it's obviously you know it was it started great great album but you know, kind of first impression you get from it uh, very much is that like it's you know very nineties, so you, mm. you get a vibe of it's kind of like very seventies folk rock. Yeah, uh, you get yeah. that you know CSN, Crosby, uh, Nash, New Young kind of vibe. Yeah, right. Yeah. Together with you know you get the and you know basically the Singapore nineties scene you can avoid the REM kind of sound. That's quite a prominent yeah. sound, yeah. right? And then also to a certain extent, the '90s, uh, you get kind of like the Red House Painters, yeah, kind of vibe. Right. The yeah. Red House Painters, I think they they just released. I mean, like two yeah. three years before then, early yeah. '90s, early '90s, yeah. So okay. obviously that vibe, lah, that kind of very, uh, very kind of morose, uh, melancholy vibe. That is melancholy, very much yeah. That's a very, good, that's very Red House painters. Uh, Mark was like, <laughs> that guy is a psychotic guy. So, <laughs> so you get all that vibe. Like, and of course, you know, you get uh, Leslie's own personality, right? Uh, mm. embedded, embedded into that. Like, to that so, that's, so that's what I felt about that album. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's very familiar. I mean, usually what they say nowadays, right? You want a sound, sound that sounds unique and familiar at the same time. Yeah. Right, so that yeah, yeah, that's what they always say nowadays, especially for pop music. So definitely, it had that right. You you listen to it, it's like it's familiar and it's things that people like in the time, but it's also you know has a very distinctive voice and, mm. and you know some really kind of very melodic uh, tunes, circling yeah. square, final life, and, mm. and, and all these things, all these songs. Yeah, so that was my first impression, I guess. Okay, like like you, I mean, I I known about them. I mean, uh, even in their uh, Leslie's uh, previous uh, outfit, uh, Twang Bar Kings, mm. and uh, I I was roped in to help with them put together some of their Twang Bar Kings demos, and and you know their their song, of course, uh, as the Twang Bar Kings was uh, the main song was I think Daddy in the Lift, which to me so the seeds of all the tracks that would appear yeah. on Wednesday morning. It was yeah. that, it had that kind of melancholic, uh, slightly dark, you know, just the mood and the way it was played. I think it has, to me, always, I mean, it's a typical Leslie Lowe composition, lah, to me. Yeah, 30 years ago, I mean, you you know, he has a distinctive voice. Yep. That kind of op yep. open, open chord tuning, I think that's the sort of feel yes. you get. Look, looks like daddy and the Wearing a black suit and a tie With 
in, in a way, to me, I, to me, you know, this this Thursday morning can be seen to be something like that in a sense that mm. while while Humbeck Oak had been known in the in the indie or you know underground so called underground circuit, right? Um, by the way, Humbeck Oak is made up of people. Uh, Leslie Lowe, we mentioned before, he's the yeah. main vocalist and he plays guitar on the on the in the band, but also uh, Vincent Chin. Mm. Um, on guitar, Daniel Wee on bass, and Stanley Teo on drums. So as Humpback Oak, I think they've been around since what, the late or the 1990, 91, that period, mm, I think. Mm, yeah. And they've been doing the rounds already. So so they were quite uh, known uh, to the people in the scene, but this album, I think, helped break them into a wider market after it was released. And so when I first heard it, again, I was very, very impressed by the polished sound. And it's like, wow, you hear this, it's actually like miles ahead of anything for this kind of music. Art Fazil had one also very similar in similar vein, very folky, but even more then... Also, more produced, more produced. Yeah, this one was definitely more produced, even, even to art. <laughs> so, so there's always a hint, I guess we need to kind of repeat that whenever what? we mention some names, right, right, right. it's always good for you, the kind listener, to go and check the previous episodes because probably we've spoken to... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah, the PSA. Got to do a little PSA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, please. So, uh, Art Fazil, our marketing, marketing, one yes. friend of the podcast. Yes, Art Fazil. Yes, Art one. Fazil. Yeah. yes. So check check out that episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 that's what I liked about it. It was it was firstly it was clean <laughs> in terms ah, yeah. of the, the recording. Mm. I mean, back then, seriously, a lot of recordings get a lot of background buzz, yeah. kiss, and all that kind of because it just wasn't very well recorded. Yeah, even, yeah. even bands like the Odd Fellows would say that they, you know their first few recordings, they, they just basically put the tape recorder in front of the band, the press record, and then that was it. You know, just record live sound, everything in. Hopefully, you get a good mix. I mean, to put things in. Put things in context, right? In the nineties, you still don't have right the sophisticated home recording software that we have now, right? Yes, you can literally yes. record at home now, right? That's what we can yeah. do. But back then, um, you know, I mean, the best you could have for home would maybe a four track, either TR Quarter Studio or Fostex. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even I think. There was another one which I also had, which used this uh, MD4, also like a oh. four track. So it's kind of like similar. To, I'm not quite remember what the brand was now. It escapes me somehow. Uh, but it's similar to the first one, of course, the Tiak, the Tiak Potter mm. Studio. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a history lesson. So the 80s, the, that was the first. <laughs> yeah, because you got to give some context to this because it's hard for anyone to understand. Yeah. So it's the first home really home recording machine and it's you know not that that mm. big it's kind of yep. like a, slightly bigger than a laptop of course yeah, you know much, much right. thick, yep. thicker yep. than a laptop but it's about yeah, the size of, of a laptop yeah uh, and basically used uh, it had a four hit uh, yep. four tape a recording hit which kind of you, and then you use cassettes and it kind of split it into four tracks yep that's right yeah yeah. so that that was and it had a mixer and everything yeah so the, yeah. so that was actually my first uh, so-called home recording thing because a friend of mine had it and he, he, I borrowed it from him for a while. Right. And that was okay. my kind of first. In the 80s, like, that's why I had in the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. My, so, my, but my... that, even that is, was not cheap. It was like 1, 2K. It just imagine right. we talk about what is 1, 2K back then. It's a yeah. lot of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. 
Right, we've been talking about the relative prices of things. Yeah, yeah right. So we already said, right, fourteen, fifteen dollar album really is how much. And never yeah. mind about one, two thousand dollar. Yeah, can you imagine a <laughs> hundred times more? That's a lot of money. So you know, so what you are left in the end for most in indie bands, right, is a, a, a kind of boombox with a condenser mic. It's not a yeah. great sound, nah. Yeah, not not great. It's just an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time it was terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, you're lucky exactly. if you can actually hear everything in it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yep. of the condenser mic. Uh, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I had a two-track version of that. It's a cassette player slash recorder, but you could attach two different mics in and record, you know, two different guitars and stuff like, or, or voices or whatever lah, Which was what we used to do. It's like put voice on one track, which would be a left channel, and then. Instruments on the right channel or whatever it is. Which was top of the line in in the late sixties, <laughs> early sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was top of the line, two track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 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 it I mean, yeah, I mean that's why when 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 I first heard it out, I was very, very astounded because it was such a big leap. I mean, in terms of the songs and all that, you know, kind of we kinda of heard versions of those prior to that and the style that they were playing. But you know, now you could hear Everything clearly, the harmonies came out very well. Um, you know, the vocals, of course. Mm. Leslie was very, Leslie had this very distinct uh, vocal style, which, yeah. which I also I think is one of those things that helped them stand out because you you hear it, you know it immediately. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Leslie Low humbeck yeah. uh, track. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is always good for for a singer. You need to have yeah, a, a certain yeah. distinct uh, vocal style. And he yeah. also this, and he also had distinctive lyrics. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, uh, I, I, I really, generally, I mean, I love the imagery that he used. Very mm. poet. I mean, he's to me, he's always been a very poetic writer, mm. uh, songwriter. Yeah, yeah, still this. You know, and, and storyteller also uh, in that sense. So when you when you listen to the you listen to the lyrics or when you read the lyrics, you can actually see a story forming. You know, there's a, there's a certain empathy that you can feel So like, wow, okay Fear The reason for error Strikes terror In my eyes In the sky uh, I always used to classify music into two different categories One is the cerebral type Where you really need a headspace to Wow, I appreciate the whole, you know, song. And the other one is the visceral type. Where you just press play and it just gets you straight away from mm, the get go, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like punk is very visceral, yeah. you know? So, mm. yeah, so this, this, I think this album kind of tread, uh, tread that line quite well. But having said that, let's just get into, I mean, we won't go, in, we won't go into a track by track. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, firstly, uh, maybe we'll just give a quick intro into this album. Uh. Yeah. No, I mean, I think my my first one that probably uh, is, a, like, say, if I probably listen, I may have kind of gone to that track first, mm. right? But I think I was really looking forward to, you know, Final Time to be alive. Because, you know, based on the demos, I mean, that was the one I liked the most. Yep. And then remember thinking, hey, I don't see it on the track listing, Right. Because they changed the title of the song. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've yeah. always wondered about that and never really asked Leslie the little, the, the, the few times that I've interacted with him. It's like, there's always a back in mind. It's like, you're always thinking, like, suspect that 
maybe it's something that the label asked them to change. No final time to be alive. It's like too change. long. A title's too long. <laughs> Not enough space on the CD. Yeah. <laughs> the CD cover. <laughs> you know, it's not very like commercial title. Although I think it's a hook. That line is a hook. That, that title itself is a hook, but you know, what do I know? <laughs> no, I mean, the title in the end was used for a book, right? Mm. Uh, that was done a couple of years later, 1997, yeah, yeah. yeah. it came out, no final time to be alive. No, I mean, because it, 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 it kind of, uh, it's, a, it's a title that encapsulates, you know, the 90s for us, right? The <laughs> that's true. 90s scene. Yeah, that's true. That's but true. then they, they, they kind of blinked and then changed the title and then called it Final Life, which to this day, I just really shrug and like, what a wasted opportunity. Maybe it was meant in an ironic way. Irony was very big in the 90s also. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, la, I no. just feel it, no. it doesn't do justice to the song itself because that's not the song title. But, mm. it, you know, I mean, because the song itself... Um, actually, I, I, I'm just trying to remember, does Final Life actually appear in the, in the lyrics? It doesn't, right? No, it's no final time to be alive. That is the title. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like something that the band or Leslie would have called the song. You know what I mean? That's why I say it's to me. La. I mean, of course, I have no, no evidence to support this. It's just a theory of mine. Is there something like something the label might have asked for mm. or, ins- or insisted on, which is nothing new? Yeah, right? that's it true. It doesn't look like something Leslie would, or, or the band would come up with. I mean, that's just a suspicion that down to the low life well do i like it no final time to be alive small like a dull life crawling with me oh no maybe 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 it's a thing where where the label said you know you, you gotta change this title and we'll let you have that cover that you want to put on the <laughs> on the album because I really maybe, doubt that the label maybe. would have approved that cover <laughs> that's a good that's a good theory as well because like what marketing guy looks at that and thinks okay <laughs> this one is gonna let's, yeah, let's have this that gonna attract the, the eyes of Wait, I mean then, it does attract the eyes of people the dead, that's for the sure the dead baby is it what is, is it, it a dead baby looks dead like baby a, creature what dog it's like a, a puppy, it's like, like a, a puppy or a, or a it's something like it looks like a fetus or something like it's like gross what yeah and 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 it's a very dark grey, yeah. you know, very saturated, very gritty looking thing. Yeah. And even, then the, even stopping the, ground is and just their logo on it. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even go that far. <laughs> they didn't go that far, man. It kind of reminds me, that cover reminds me of the uh the 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 Dead Kennedys. You know, Dead Kennedys, they have one cover where they had this shriveled black, like little kid's hand in this white hand. I can't remember which, which whether that is uh, "Kill the Poor" or whatever. I think it could be that could be the album cover. I don't know. <laughs> this looks like one of those. It looks like something that you see. It, I mean, referring back to the Stranger Things, it looks like something you see in the upside down section of Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's like one no, of those like, images. It looks, it looks like a very avant-garde kind of. You see in an exhibition, you know, you see avant-garde exhibition. That's what you kind of. Photography, yeah, correct, correct. This what yeah. you see, la, You know, yeah. Not, not on a fairly. I mean, considering uh, Spring Rose status in the scene, 
it's quite mm, mainstream. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, actually correct. quite mainstream back in the day, la, you know. Yeah. And, and and the font also is like, you know, it's, it's that very it, it blood red font. Yeah, it looks like a metal, yeah. it looks like a metal cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so but what are your thoughts about No Final Time to be alive? Song itself to give it its proper title. I mean, I I, I think that that to me that is my that's my favorite song from mm. this album. Yeah. Uh, or indeed Humbag Oak's entire career. Uh right. I really, really love this track. Um it 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 reminds I mean it reminded me a bit of Patty Smith right. in particular, like the the way the way it's done. Um you know, and, and the storytelling. I, I love this one. It's one of those where I love the storytelling, you know, um, where it it kicks off with apparently a boy meeting this guy and, you know, they they start accusing each other. You know, what have you done to me? Blah, blah, blah. You know. Right, right. It's, it, sounds very, it, it sounds very personal. La, the it sounds very personal, and but it's also very poetic because it, because of the imagery that's used, you know, like, you know, the, the gun, the gun imagery, the, the, the hands tied behind the back tied to the sack and stuff like that and you know and, and this, this the, the, that very pleading won't you please just leave me alone uh, line at the end I love it I love this track so why don't you go But that, that, that's the strength of the songwriting, right? Because yep, again, I mean, again, right? It's familiar yet different and unique, mm. right? So, but that is a, you know, something we say, like, the, the good songwriter, the, the best songwriter is able to distill all yes. the influences and present it in a new way, yep. right? And, and that definitely, you know, is evident in this in this song because you hear it and it's like, wow, it, it, it kind of you, you can't think of so many different song but then you can't say that no this is a ripoff no yep. it isn't yep. it is it's still yeah, it's unique not, it's, it's still yeah. original but it reflects it has reflections and echoes of you know all the you know that, that kind of music right so that that's that's uh that's that's fantastic that's great songwriting there. yeah correct you're right you're right yeah it's quite di- it's quite different from what songwriting and production is now when when they say they want to have something familiar, they're literally like taking, sampling a, a, a part of a song, you know? Right? So like, like of course, the best example I always use nowadays, the BTS song, which I can't remember what the title is, where they, they lift the, the na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, right? From KC and the Sunshine Band. Yeah, correct, correct. Oh, right, right, right. From I don't know why I was listening to the BTS song, but I was listening to the BTS <laughs> song on YouTube. Like, suddenly it just comes up. So you just, yeah. just click. And then suddenly this part came up. Then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's true, like, that's true. Then of course, that's why the songwriting credits become longer and longer. Like, because you got to edit. <laughs> Oh, 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 
it, it, this album itself was um, interestingly also released um, in Australia. Yes. Um, when That's Tony right. Cannon had a deal with, I think, Shock Records over there. So the mm. deal was for the Australian uh, you know, bands in Australia would release their music here under the Pony Cannon uh, umbrella. Mm, 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 and mm, mm, uh, mm. Singapore acts would be released in Australia under the, right. the Shock, Shock Music uh, Pony Canyon mm. uh, deal. And this was Good one of deal. the albums I think that was pushed over there. Something Ground, so I think. Was this Something Ground? I, I, can't, I can't remember all of them, but I, I yeah. definitely know a reading about you know, this one. I think Stomping Ground's album came up at the same, around the same time or same year. If I'm not wrong, mm, mm, mm. around that time, but yeah, yeah, so they were distributed. I mean, back then, right? You know how difficult it was to get overseas distribution. It's not yeah, like now definitely. where you can just yeah. <laughs> now you can just just put it on Spotify, can you? Yeah, it's so insane when you think about it now compared to like I remember like in the late nineties, I was really trying to get CDs into other countries. It's like wow, it's so difficult. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like back in those days, our distributions, like so, like if you're on a label like that, it's like wow, that thing. That's the that's the difference back then, where the label had some use, right? Because then you can do this deal, like because they are so big, they they can do a deal in Japan or they can do a deal in Australia or wherever, and then and then yeah. music is there. But did they did they did they go and tour or anything? Any idea? Uh, where in Australia? No, I don't think no, so. No, right? Yeah, no, that's I the thing. So. That's yeah. the difference uh, again, right? I mean, that would make sense. That's the next step, right? If you're going to be distributed in Australia, let's do an Australian tour, right? No, but I think the reason why that didn't happen is because of when it came out in Australia. Because it came out in Australia in 1996. Oh, and, uh, so much later. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a couple... Of, because the deal, I think, was only done back then. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah, so by the time it came out over there, I mean, we always talk about 1997, 98, yeah, um, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. the year that everything just uh, fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, in they released Ghost Father in '97, right? So, yeah. So they released Ghost Father, and after Ghost Father, everything just fell apart, right? It was a '98. Ghost Father yeah. was in '97, right? '96, '97, I think, if I'm not uh, wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. right. Because by '98, you know the the. Right, we got ninety-seven was tell stories. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be there'll be, uh, be around that uh, time. If if I'm weak, right? That's that's in tell stories. Yeah. It's like yeah. a key track, key yeah. track on the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. So you know, by you know, ninety-eight was when the yeah ninety-eight was when we really felt the, we felt the full effect of <laughs> the economy going down the tubes. What a, what so a great everything, yeah, everything great year, just started was that. after that, well. Yeah, 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 that was it. No more. That was it, lah. Canyon disappeared, basically. Yeah, eventually, lah. I mean, it's still, it's still no, to no, them. It's they still shut to down them already. To... I think ninety-eight they shut down. They, 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 they shut down totally because of the financial crisis. Because their parent company went bust. Yeah, so that that's the thing. Sometimes also, you know, you gotta understand like the context, lah. So, I mean, nineties, of course, we are still in the era era of. There's no internet, no no real digital thing. I mean, internet, yes, but it's really very yeah. early days. Yeah. So everything had to be done Same physically. Same mobile also. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah, yes. Everything is done physically. So if you want to promote market overseas, right, you got to get a distribution deal, but then you got to twirl because nobody you got knows to go there and the show yourself. You yeah. 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 
Yeah. So that that's almost that's you know without money backing you, that's impossible. Without labor support, management support, it's impossible, right? So then you're like nobody knows who you are. Yeah, yeah. 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 And even then, also, I mean, like 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 what we we're saying about you know getting recordings done. If you want to get a good recording, you got to go into a proper yes. you know professional studio, and those it's aren't cheap. Money. What what was the rate then? Let's say Lion. What was the rate then? Can you remember? I think it was. At least a hundred an hour. Yeah, exactly. A hundred bucks, hundred bucks in the nineties is a lot of money. I mean, we've been told that you know, some of the albums are recorded easily, ten thousand dollars, and that's and that's cheap considering that what other fifty k la easily la fifty k hundred k including if you want to include your promotion and marketing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And yeah. The record label hundred k. And the thing is, what record company can sustain that for a, a market that is. Very, yeah, very exactly. New, not for our nascent. market, lah. Yeah. yeah, not for our market. Um, who who produced this one? Was it Shah Tahir? Is Shah Shah Tahir. Yeah. yeah. He he produced and I think he played played on it as yeah. well. So I mean the other the other issue also is that like for a lot of the young bands, had no experience. Yeah. You know, recording yeah. in the studio. Yeah, correct. So they really had to rely on the producer, or the engineer to help right? them. Right, the engineer yeah. or the engineer because I mean you know. Like when I, I mean, I was thankful that I had some, like you know, because I had the four tracks, I had some idea of multi-tracking, so that helped a lot. But quite technically, you know, I mean, basically most of the time I was just asking the engineer, "Can we do this? Can we do that?" Kind of yeah, thing, yeah, huh? same, same. When by the time I recorded my first album, yeah, yeah, I remember my engineer being very frustrated when I said, "I, I got to make the guitar more watery." Can you make the guitar more watery? I mean, also is what because okay, when you're recording, uh, the quality of the production. I mean, obviously for the audience, but also for radio. So, yes, I mean yes. because that's where you first hear, right? So mm. if radio is accepting that kind of quality, like alt rock grunge, right? If they're left, if they're playing Nirvana, although obviously Nirvana's production is still very good. Yeah, yeah, right. of course. Yeah. It, was, it was great production, but the kind of, I mean, the, the vocals are different, the, you know, the guitars are different. So if yeah. radio is, if national radio is playing Nirvana, then they will play Ofelosa. Yep, yeah. Right? Yep. So you Correct. got to put it in, in the context to see what yeah. was accepted, you know, in terms of the sound. Yeah. Like previously, in the they, in, in 80s, they, they would not play, play that kind of music. That's why, that, that's why this, that's why this album, because it was, so, I think, for some reasons, it was so clean and so. I mean, it's crystal clear, <laughs> yes. The sound is yeah, yeah. It sounds crystal yeah. clear. So yeah. this one was played. I mean, definitely, yeah, you you hear songs like um, um, like we're talking about Final Life earlier, but yeah. also the other big one was um, Circling Square. So actually, Circling Square is my favorite. Is it really? Why? Why? I love it. I mean, the, I think the melody, um, and also because the music arrangement actually is like a circle. Right, you have it. It's kind of echoes, and it goes. It's like maybe. So I think it's very clever. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's like a round. It's like yeah. a round. So, and of course, you have the dichotomy of the title itself, circling mm. square. Yeah, right? we love that kind of stuff. But you know, the, back in the nineties, everybody loved this kind of yeah, like the love melody, uh, the melody, irony, yeah. yeah, irony, irony. So melodies, harmonies. So it sounds really nice. Wait and see, I'll wait and see till she sends for me, sends for me, oh honey, when you 
That was a great song to cover. I think it's a better cover than Final Life, to be honest. Yeah, yeah no, no, I agree. Yeah, and Circling Square is also part of uh, the, the great Singapore uh, replay. replay thing, where they, back then when the idea was uh, to get new artists to cover old tracks. And so stuff. who did they get to, to do it? Any idea? Um, gosh, I can't remember, man. But hmm. let, me, let me just quickly Google it, because I remember reading about this. Uh, I think it was... Uh, Joy Tan, is it Joy Tan? Joy Tan, Joy, who's Joy Tan? Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> I might, I might be pronouncing the name wrong. J O I E. Oh, Joey. 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 Sorry. Joey, yeah. Joey Tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey Tan. Oh, she did. Yeah, she did. I think. If oh, okay. I'm not wrong. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just coming up at the time. Yeah. Although I've not heard from her for some time already since pandemic. It's a great, it's a great cover song. I mean, a song to cover, and and it it is because of that musical round, right? It actually mm. opens up itself to various interpretations. Yeah. You know, you can do it in very different styles. I think uh, musically, this thing really works. Yeah, the other track that I think is also a standout is "Deep Door Down." Deep door down, delirious sound. Off bed, she's screaming, dug both feet into the ground. I feel you're coming. This is Deep Dog, I mean, Deep Dog Down, I think, was also one of the first songs I heard uh, from, from these guys. Um, here's the thing about this, this whole album, right? It's very, very acoustic guitar driven, right? Yeah. And. And I can understand when some people say that, um, you know, after you listen to like, say, if you, if you play the album straight through from track one onwards, um, because track one, you have, track one is Void, track two is Deep Bell Down, track four is Final Life, and then you, uh, track six and seven is uh, Fear and Circling Square. And then as the, album, as the album goes on, then the, the sounds start to become a bit more expensive. Although I think, I think Lucifer is the one where they tried to... Lucifer a, is early, early on, right? Like yeah, that's like track three or something. Yeah, just before Final Life. But Lucifer, I think they, they put it in there to, to kind of break, break up the whole... Yeah, yeah, they, they have a few kind of arty... <laughs> Experimental tracks. I mean, there are two tracks that have a name, right? Very short tracks, right? Uh, oh, Creighton 1 and Creighton 2. Those are 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. That, that kind of thing. That's like putting the... Sh- sit, look, look at us where this are art, artistic crap. Avant-garde track. Crap. Yeah, but oh. that, that was like what people were doing quite a bit also back in the 90s, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, course, they, they were, it's like... Definitely. You, you hear the full producing, suddenly this very raw, very yeah, yeah, weird yeah. sounding like, ah, it's just, just me and the piano just, or yeah, just me and the just guitar. Just tell everybody that, that, hey, I'm still an artist. Yeah, we still have all these other, you know, still artists, raw so, tracks you know. coming out. Yeah. yeah, I got to remind people, yeah, not all polished and you know shiny and. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, and 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 it, it, it reminds me, you know, this one, this this kind of thing, this kind of in, interstitials or in, in in insertions always remind me of the back in the nineties when soundtracks would add certain things 
so you hear the you you hear the music right on a soundtrack. Mm. Then all of a sudden they'll throw in a bit from the movie or whatever it is. Yeah, 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 audio, yeah. you know, even they have speech and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. This, this thing reminds me of like, but a music version. You know, it's just like music version. Oh, by the way, here's something like oh, we were jamming the other day in the in the in the stairwell, <laughs> and then we just press record, and this is what we did. You know, it's that kind of that kind of like oh yeah yeah. yeah. So it, it's funny because <laughs> I kind of caught a glimpse of that kind of throwback. Uh, because you know, like, like, yeah, working. Uh, Eric is working on on a, a food series called Food Affair mm-hmm. uh, with Mark Wins, as I mentioned to you. So, like, the opening thing has that kind of vibe, where there's kind of like a, you know, music from the. I mean, not music. I mean, I, I have my music in it, but before the music starts, there's like, like, like sounds from the set kind of. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. You know, yeah, which is yeah, quite yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. right? Quite different. Like, yeah. I thought, eh, okay, you know, that, that is quite different. Nah. You know, because normally, like, if you get some, one of these non-scripted kind of thing, everything is just very smooth. Yep. And yep. professional it just and shiny. Goes, it just goes one, yeah. So yeah. there's this kind of funny thing before, which I yeah. thought, you know, before my track comes in there, I thought, eh, okay, that's, that's pretty cool for this kind of commercial TV program. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, so things like Korean 1, Korean 2. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, as as you mentioned, also they were very experimental as well. So it's not just okay. We we know we can do well with acoustic guitar songs, but let's try other things. I mean, like Lucifer has um, one of the one of my favorite violin players on it, Edwell Jensen. He from Heritage, the the group Heritage, and he plays this like distorted guitar. Uh, uh, guitar, distorted violin, violin. solo, uh, running throughout the song, um, you know, and and the last track of the album Bull um, begins with the you know like the backwards, like backwards guitar or backwards sounds kind of vibe that you get um, before they go into the the full song proper and it's very hard. It's very really, it's it's a, it's a loud song compared to the stuff that you heard, you know, prior to uh, prior to that. Mm. Um, and uh, I think even even stuff like Lower Girl with its REM vibe is is kind of a break from the circling square deep door down, which is just a very predominantly very quiet ish. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Even Final Life is considered not that loud. Not, it's not very heavy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like you said, uh, you need some kind of, I think you need some kind of headspace if you want to listen to it straight through. Um, from yeah. You just track one all the way to the end. Track 14. Yeah. Or 15, yeah. A lot of the tracks actually work very, very well. And, mm. and to me, they, they really stood up to anything that any anybody was producing at that time. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think for, I think even for that album, the... They won some awards, right? Critics' Choice or something. I think I can they, that. they won the favorite local act and most promising act award in the Perfect Ten Music Awards in '95. Wow. Okay. Right. Uh, and that's that's as mainstream as you get <laughs> in Singapore. Yeah. And I think later on also didn't they didn't they do the MTV Awards or something like that? If I'm not wrong. I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't. Maybe, maybe. 
But yeah, definitely those two, those two were the big. Yeah, so so it was a big deal, lah. Let's just put it that way, lah. Yeah, yeah. It also so, it also got critically, critically as well as commercially. You know. Yeah, I I like I like the um. This is excerpt I saw from the newspapers. It's in the Straits Times. It was written by uh Nazir. Do you remember Nazir? Nazir Kadbani. Uh, he used to write for Bigo yeah, and all that. Yeah. Of course, of course. So his review of the album yeah, came out, and the headline is. At last, an album that makes you get down on your knees and weep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you, if you go if you go to allmusic.com, um, you know they, they 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 did a review of the album as well, and and yeah. they, like what you did, you know, they they said you know, the strong songwriting is what um, makes this album from being just another angst-ridden pop affair, lah. Mm. Yeah, which is true because the songwriting is seriously. I mean, that that's the one thing that that like I said also the lyrics, the way the music goes, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes together very nicely mm. uh, as an as an album, lah. Yes, right? yes, in, correct. In those days, it's what we look for in in an album, lah. Yeah, I mean, so I, all the all the. I mean, yeah, I mean, last time I I think one of the consideration. I don't know about for you, but definitely for me, one of the considerations was we had to make an album. And it had to have a, a narrative. Yeah, yeah. You know, it can't be just a collection of tracks. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was very, very uh, artistically important <laughs> to have an album that that um, that isn't just merely a collection of songs. I mean, since since Sergeant Pepper, uh, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, correct, if, correct. Yeah, any any kind of self-respecting rock band is. You know, they want to do an album like that. Yeah. Because we all thought we could do a Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that, that's, that's, you know, we talk about influence of the Beatles. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, we've kind of, I mean, I always say that, you know, we've gone back to pre Beatles era. Pre Beatles you know. era. Yeah. What do you because mean? producers and songwriters oh, uh, okay, okay. are the ones controlling and they are separate from the artists. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time uh, nowadays, and the album is just a collection of, of tracks. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only people who are really kind of doing kind of concept stuff are the rappers. Yep, which is interesting. Which, like I said before, I don't, I don't consider music. Yeah, yeah. Right? Not that it's not an art form, but it just doesn't fulfill the elements of music. But it's still an art form. Yep. And the best people who... Do that, right? They, they, you know, they, they take the whole. Uh, they're able to, you know, like you say, like you can. They, it's the sky's the limit, lah, because they can sample yep. like everything. Yeah. Right. So it's like a journey, right? The musical journey when you listen to, uh, you know, that kind of like, like even like take someone who's constantly the writer, someone like Kanye. Right? Yeah. If you listen to Kanye. I mean, he's his best stuff. It's like literally everything is on it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I that agree. guy's got I quite agree. an imagination. Yeah. You know? Actually, that's true. It's that's like true. you don't expect to hear. You hear, it's like, okay, that's yeah. not what I expected. Yeah. Right? So, obviously, yes, he has, you know, issues and all that. But, you know, <laughs> that, that's fine now, right? Because, so what I mean is that the only real people, and they, and they and also they have the commercial uh, ability to do so, like, because they, they, their music sells. Yeah, of course, of course. Right? So that's like, you know, so these are the only people, like, the, the, the rappers who are able to kind of come up with something that is ambitious. And, you know, so sometimes, like, I don't really listen to a lot of rap, 
Mm-hmm. But sometimes you, when you come across some of these tracks, then you're like, well, okay. Yeah. I mean, so any, any, I'm, I'm just, let's just bring this in. And any, any final thoughts about um, Painstained Morning? Well, I think, you know, Painstained Morning, Humpback Oak, you know, it's, it's really a bit of a, I mean, that's really like the apex of, you know, 94, 95, 96. Uh, mm. That's really the apex of the scene, uh, 90s scene. I think, yeah. Right, before it kind of declined uh, after that for various factors. Lah. But mm. that was like really, like, I mean, if you have something like that, uh, like that album and for Humbug Oak to be winning awards from Perfect 10, which is like commercial as all hell, right? <laughs> Yeah. You know. So that, that says a lot. Lah. So that really shows that there was real so-called mainstream acceptance not saying that commercially the CD sold a lot. That's a different story because, mm. you know, Singaporean, Singaporeans are Singaporeans. But in terms of the mainstream acceptance, like, you know, you're reading the reviews in the press. Yeah, critical right? acclaim. Uh. Or, or being, yeah, critical acclaim um, or, you know, radio play and, you know, awards and all that sort of thing. You know, you, it doesn't, you can't really get asked for more. Mm. Like, in terms of mainstream acceptance in Singapore. Yeah. Right. So so they kind of encapsulated that and which is quite interesting because if you like as we say if you listen to the album, right, it, it has kind of elements of commercial and also, you know, very kind of arty, fatty, avant-garde kind of sensibility. Yeah. You know, which reflects obviously, you know, the personality of you know the, the the people in the band, mm. so that was quite a good, and also of course because you have Jimmy Wee who kind of right respects and that's the artist kind of be yeah who they Do are their thing. so it's all this thing, so that's a, that's that's a, that's a I think like one of the f- kind of first times that all these kind of elements really come together uh, in Singapore, <laughs> if I can say so. Right, so therefore, that that's why that is is an important uh, moment. I agree. I agree. I think this is one of those albums that actually, you know, the reach is actually a bit more musically. The reach, not that there were, not that the other albums produced by the other bands were were any less. So while you have a great band like say, I mean, even, even we've we've also had them on the show. People like say uh, Stone Revivals, but they were known yeah. more for a particular sound and a particular type yes. of uh, music. Or oh, even false vomit. Yeah, yeah. Or false vomit. They were known for that particular kind of uh, sound, you know. And so uh, I think on, on Ghost Father, that kind of thing was kind of uh, it was repeated in a way but because Ghost Father was such a dark album to me, I thought it was great. And, and, but he has also changed up all his sounds. I mean like the guitars the, just the guitar sound being used in, in Ghost Father is, is a far cry from the clean, bright sound that is used in this one, in, in Painstain Morning, you know? Well, I, I think it's, to a certain extent, it's, it's a response to some of the criticism, I think. Mm, maybe, maybe. Right, because, yeah, we haven't talked about <laughs> yeah, that, but that's that, say. I, mean, I do remember <laughs> at a time... Right, many people will say, "Wow, well, why are they, you know, this kind of... Yeah, so wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. You let, know how people get, are gatekeepers. Yeah, let's get, let's get to that, to, to, to explaining that part. So, the criticism was about having studio musicians play on this album. 
and which in that era where this so-called authenticity thing was very, very, very yeah. big, a lot of people did not like. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people were going like, real, oh, you real. guys, yeah, whatever. Like, you know. Fake band, fake band, or whatever, whatever yeah. Like, yeah, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, uh, pushback in, in that sense. I, I, I yeah, I mean, as usual, la, the usual thing, you know, when it comes to music, is especially if you've done a couple of dot, dot demos and all this other thing, there will always be the, the cranky, <laughs> the few cranky tro- trolls who say, ah, you sold out. La. Yeah, whatever. You sell yeah. out and all this sort of thing. Yeah, you know, the usual kind of thing. La. So obviously, it kind of didn't help Humbag those case when you look at the credits and you see, you know, like like people like uh, Shah Dahir, you know, you know, the section musicians. Then they're like, oh, man, these guys are like old fogies or whatever, right?" So like, why are they playing on your album? Just like, then they were like, "Ah, you're sold out, like you guys compromise." Which I think was very funny because that also showed how little we all actually had of any kind of musical knowledge, in that sense. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you you know this, like, if you go and look at a very, very big famous band like the Beach Boys, in 1966, a lot of the music was being played by the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, Wrecking Crew. Also. Yeah, I mean, even even the even the Birds, the first Birds song, Tambourine Man, is the Wrecking Crew is yeah, playing. Yeah, correct, correct. Hell Blaine is playing yep. drums. Is it Pet Sounds? Pet Sounds was also Wrecking Crew, right? Pet Sounds? Yeah, yeah, Pet Sounds Wrecking Crew. So you might as well say, you know, Pet Sounds, that era, Beach Boys, it's like, ah, they're being fake or charlatans or whatever. Same thing, right? To me, me it's like that one. It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Beach Boys themselves, uh, I mean, they they, they basically, the group sang. And of course, Brian Wilson produced, wrote, produced everything, right? Yeah, but instrumentation, because, because it was... The, the 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 vision that he had was beyond a you know bass guitar bass drums, so you don't expect those guys to play what you want. All the weird instrumentation that come in, you want to play what? It's insane though. Yeah, no, correct, correct, exactly. So so that, that was the thing. But you know, in terms of this 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 album as well, I mean, even though yeah, you can say actually it's very basic. It is basically guitar bass drum, but there are all these other added things in between. Um. And you know who knows it could be a, a like what we we're talking about so an economic decision because it costs so much to do an album. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But what what it also tells us is that trolls have been around for forever. Yeah, nothing new la. It's just that you have more of them now because everybody is on the internet, so everybody can just. That's why it's just exponentially worse. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody has a stupid opinion and he wants to share it with you. And most <laughs> yeah. of the time, it's not even an opinion. <laughs> right? It's just attacks. It's just, ah, you sold out. Yeah, sold out. yeah that's then, true. That's, that's, true. that's, that's, not, opinion. that's not an opinion. Yeah, that's not opinion. It's just an attack. Yeah. That's not an opinion. But then they think, oh, I have an opinion, so I express it. Or you suck, full stop. That's not an opinion, man. Come on. That's a, that's a, that's a, the worst thing. Like. They don't say anything else except that. Thanks to the internet. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh well. Yep. What to do? Life like that. Yeah. But so so okay. So returning. Getting, to, getting back, back to, to this. The point, <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the point. Getting to the point. It's a yellow song. Uh so yeah, so I don't know. I mean again, we can theorize about a lot of things, right? 
that sometimes it can be a bit of a reaction to maybe some of the criticism. And like you say, also, it could be due to financial, uh, you know, not having the funds to, and maybe also less label involvement sometimes. You know, it could be a couple of factors. Like, yeah. Why? Why? Right. And, you know, or maybe just, you know, the band feels we just want a different direction. That's all. Yeah. Correct. Correct. You just want something that is like different from what we usually have been. I mean, again, they've been doing this for a few years already. Yeah, you know? by then, by yeah, yeah, like you said, they had come out with three demos, and maybe they just want something that didn't sound like their demos. Yeah. So interestingly, um, you know, so Wednesday morning was uh, by Pony Canyon, right? Uh, Ghost Father came out under the Cheapskate label. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Side A, Side B came out uh, under the Spring Roll label. But then, of course, later on, they also have the, much later, they have the box set. Mm, Oak songs. Because ah, like songs. everything, everything they ever put out and didn't put out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I queued up for that one. I queued up for the signature. Oh, you did? Uh? Really? Uh? Wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, why wow. not? Yeah. So they all had all the three albums plus an extra set of like demos and stuff like that. That is, right? I mean, to me, that's important. It's important thing to have. And I think for, for it's also good to know that Funback were one of the few bands who actually did more than one album back in the 90s. The 90s were very famous for albums just coming out once and then that's it, gone. I mean, I mean, we can kind of expand this to an appreciation of Funback Oak itself. La. I mean, obviously, I think there's no doubt that they were a very important band for, for you know, Singapore band. No doubt, right? So, I mean, if anyone is even remotely interested in Singapore music, then obviously they really need to, well, at least bare minimum pick up or try to get hold or listen to, is it possible now? Please stay morning. Stay morning. I, I think mean, it's, it's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yep. You can go to YouTube and listen to it. YouTube, yep. like, it's on YouTube, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, the company's no yeah. longer around. So, <laughs> right, so if you want more, then of course, then you can listen to the ops yep. and, and, and and Leslie's solo stuff. Lah. I mean, you know, Leslie, of course, has forged his way through over the past few years with many, many, you know, like the Observatory was a great, you know, musical collective. Um, and even his solo stuff. I mean, like, follow up is we should kind of listen to Dark Folk. Lah. Yeah, Dark Folk. <laughs> Dark Folk is great. I love that one. Well, okay, I think that's about it. I mean, yeah, get on to YouTube to check out Painstain Morning if you like. Yep. Um, well, we think it's great. So that's why we're talking about it. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, and um, be sure to tune in to more episodes from Land City Rock. Um, don't forget to share with your friends and stuff like that. We'll be looking at some of the other albums from the previous decades and all that to, to talk about and share about. Yeah, I mean, if there's, there's any, like, yeah, if there's any kind of local album that you think we should be mm. discussing, you know, drop us a comment, you know, at the Fast Colors yeah. Facebook. Because if you don't, the Fast Colors are F-A-S-T-C-O-L-O-R-S. Um, yeah, because if you don't, then yeah. Kevin and I will just talk about our own albums. And then... <laughs> yeah. yeah, because silence is, silence is consent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, let us, let us know what, what other albums you want, you want, uh, you want us to, to look at. Um, it's not, it's not, I mean, yeah, what we're doing is not a conventional review. So, no, lah, this this is why you call it talk, talk talk review. Yeah, yeah, correct. Talk talk review. Talk talk appreciation. Yeah, talk talk appreciation club. We should we should yeah. set up something <laughs> like that. 
appreciation club. TCAC, the CAC. Yeah. Should we call? Yeah, I think let's let's call this episode that Talk Talk Appreciation Club. <laughs> Volume One, Painstain Morning. Uh, <laughs> then the club is spelled with a K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it has to be the spelled. Cack. The cat. <laughs> so the shot is T C A K. The cat. Yeah, T C A K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for listening into this episode. We hope you we hope you have learned something or gained some interest in in wanting yeah. to. Check out Humback Oaks music. I mean, frankly, that's the objective, right? That's the objective. <laughs> yeah, frankly, frankly, that sets one of our favorite yep. bands from the, the from yeah. the from the era. I, I I really can't. You know, if you, if you let us go on and on, we will we will have reams and hours to to ex yeah, yeah, yeah. to expostulate about what why why we love this band and elaborate on that. But yeah, we have lots you know, we, have, we have lots to say. Let's just keep this uh, short for now, and, and yeah, go check them out yourselves. Yep. Um, again, you can find Leslie Lowe's music as well. Uh, all his later stuff outside. He has a bank, bank cam and Spotify, I think. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't think you can get Oak songs anymore, right? It was a limited edition kind of thing. No, I don't yeah. think so. I don't know whether some somebody has yeah. has uh, uh, uploaded the whole thing. I don't think so, but it, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. You can try. You can try um, Carousel. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you can go check it out. Check it out on online, uh, and maybe some people are selling the album. You can go and check out Carousel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose they might. Somebody might be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I won't prob- be surprised. It's probably you can probably find it on Carousel. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay lah. Anyway, okay. I think that's about it. That's it for Pain Stain Morning. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot for thanks listening, lot. and we'll see you around next time. Bye. See you around. Ciao.